Hello and welcome to the ISBA podcast. This episode has been recorded and released on the 23rd of February in the afternoon. This podcast is designed to provide independent school bursars with valuable insights and practical advice on a range of topics related to managing finances and operations in a school setting. Each episode will feature interviews with experts in the fields as well as bursars themselves, sharing their experiences and best practices. In this episode, we're going to be hearing from ISBA's Head of Advice and Guidance, Denise Allen, who's going to talk us through all of the latest updates from the sector this past week. So without any further ado, let's jump right in. Uh, Denise, thanks for being with me again to talk about everything advice and guidance and ISBA related. It's good to have you to go through all of the stuff that to me is far over my head. So thanks for being here. You're welcome, Leo. Good to see you again. Likewise. Yeah, and hopefully you had a good half term, a little break there. I had three days off and I went cycling, which was lovely. Fresh air. Very yeah, good absolutely. for you. Yeah. Free bird advice and guidance. Get out there. Yeah. Get the, get the blood pumping. <laughs> I have to admit to getting to the age where I've bought an electrically assisted bike at times. Oh, wise, wise. Yeah, those hills, <laughs> those hills are no fun for anyone. <laughs> anyway. We'll see in a few months' time if it, what impact it's made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have another call and see how you're see how you're doing. Right. So to jump straight in, there's quite a lot to get through today. Uh, so mm. first things first. I mean, some of the advice and guidance, or at least updates, relates to an increase in Andrew Tate related things to to prevent, mm-hmm. uh, which we we do, we discussed at quite length in the previous Burstcast about the impact of he's having perhaps on misogyny in schools and around young men and so that's been kind of quite prevalent so that's something to keep Mm. an eye on but Mm -hmm. to jump from that straight into the serious incident reporting regarding turkey and syria what's the latest kind of stuff about that well turkey and syria uh, and the earthquake situation obviously is frightfully upsetting and everyone naturally wants to do all they can to to assist within their means but when you're a charity you well for all of us, we have to be extremely careful to know that we know who we're dealing with and what we're doing is lawful. And in this week's bulletin, there is some notes around making sure how you, as charity trustees particularly, you can make certain that the charity that you're running is operating within the law. Um, And there's some useful links this week to guidance issued by the Office of Financial Sanctions and the Charity Commission around this subject. But I suppose you know, obviously do do take a look at those. I, I wouldn't expect schools to be charities that are, are dealing with this primarily. But the main point I wanted to note from the update that you can read this week is the reminder to file a serious incident report to the Charity Commission should a financial transaction or any other incident that might harm your charity's assets, beneficiaries, property or reputation occurs. Uh, the serious incident guidance uh, is on the Charity Commission's website, and there is a link in the bulletin this week too. It sounds a tricky thing to do. It's actually relatively simple, um, and the guidance itself is really clear to understand. So I think it's always good to be prepared uh, to know what you would have to do if something befell your charity. So so just take a little note of that link and, and know where to go if something something does happen that you need to make that. SIR report and and uh, as a shameless plug for the um, reference library there is a really useful guidance note number 216 which uh, bursas and clerks the governor should be aware of 
Yeah, absolutely. And so following on from your comment on befelling things and befalling and falling, you see what I've done there? We've led straight into <laughs> so things neat. to do with it's ladders. almost like we planned it. And dear listener, we didn't plan that at all. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm just <laughs> terrible with puns. So, right. So moving on to this, it's actually in respect of safe use of ladders and step ladders at work, which is something that people probably don't think twice about, but actually is the leading case of workplace fatality mm. so and the hsc has, has issued some updates around this mm. what mm. do people want to be taking away from all that well uh well, if you don't know it already you'll soon know that i'm a great fan of the hse uh updates so i i get alerted to those as they come through and you can subscribe so i do urge and i think i already have in past weeks urge people to get subscribed to those alerts and and this week it's about the safe use of ladders and step ladders at work and as you mentioned just now it the, the reference that they give you notes that falls from height remain during the last year 21 22 there were 29 fatal injuries from falls from height within the workplace so it's it's um you know it can be a very very serious incident to have to deal with you can prevent a lot of this obviously by making sure that your school has all the correct equipment available to your staff um, and that they are appropriately trained for their day-to-day operations whether it's popping a notice on a wall, um, reaching for a resource from a shelf, changing a light bulb or even replacing guttering, etc. It affects all areas of staff. And as someone of a below average height, um, I understand the tendency to be impatient to get a job done, just leap onto a stool or a chair. But the risk of doing so is there, uh, both personally from an injury perspective or to your employer reputation if an accident or, or, God forbid, a fatality occurs. So um, obviously, serious injury and fatality in the workplace would, of course, require a riddle and serious incident report. So I suggest that all bursaries ask their estates and property managers to read the guidance note that we've provided this week and make sure you're compliant. And really make sure your staff all know how and when to use the equipment themselves or when they should actually stop and call for somebody else to to assist. OK, sure. Yeah, no, I think definitely. Uh, something that sounds simple but is really important mm. um, and mm. especially as the, the last time I used a ladder it was some telescopic thing that took a, a degree yeah. in nuclear physics to, to yeah. take apart it was extraordinary I mean my husband was cutting down a tree in our garden the other day and you know just look at it and with a burst of eye you think what are you doing and and <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is you know you just get carried away in what you're doing but it's it's so important to to take the time and make sure your staff are safe yeah, absolutely. And talking of being compliant, there's also an update regarding when you're engaging contractors mm. and how to, you know, what's the kind of note on that? Well, the the, um, the health and safety executive really do have teeth and they can come in and inspect at any moment and they will do following a um, an incident. And, and this week's bulletin details a number of recent prosecutions that the HSC have um, made and include specifically details of a plumber who was jailed for illegally carrying out some gas work and he didn't hold the appropriate qualifications etc so the key message for schools is to ensure they are engaging appropriately qualified contractors and engineers at all times and if you are using a new to you firm please ask for sight of their health and safety policies, risk assessments and so forth, just to put your mind at complete rest. And and if you are using your own staff for different procedures, make sure they similarly are qualified um, appropriately because, you know, it, it could have really significant ramifications. Yeah, absolutely. And moving from 
real world, as it were, physical incarnations mm. of health and safety to digital health and safety. Cybercrime is something that, of course, we talk about a lot. But there's been some updates recently and examples of scams that were, sort of, yeah. I suppose, foiled at the last minute. But yeah. th- there's some interesting things to take away from this. Yeah. So we, we talk about cybercrime at ISBA more and more regularly of late. And, and for those bursars attending the recent regional meetings, John Murphy has provided an account of a major cyber attack on a school at Christmas from which they are still recovering. And um, in just this last week, I've been contacted by a school whose head teacher had been approached by an individual purporting to be a lawyer acting for a quote unquote unpaid supplier to their school. The head, you know, it was was a large amount of money, I mean, tens of thousands of pounds. And the head, as is often the case, I think, you know, naturally thinks it's genuine and passed the uh, invoice and the request to the bursary for, quote, immediate payment. And fortunately, the bursary staff noticed some very subtle inconsistencies in the email used, um, spelling mistakes, etc. And they investigated further. And interestingly, Although the lawyer and the legal firm concerned were genuine, the email was not. And fortunately for this school, they they managed to dodge making a large payment, which was completely malicious. So it was nip and tuck there uh, for sure. You know, it can happen any time. You've got to be on the ball all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And actually looking at the way schools operate, a lot of the time there's external solutions for for managing the IT supplies and stuff like that. But mm. an area that I that schools sometimes don't consider is how they handle data and the importance of ensuring that all the information that is within the school system is securely looked after. Asking questions is the start of the journey really in in improving your cyber resilience. That's those are not my words, actually, but they're those of the author of a really useful piece on how schools can ramp up their cyber awareness, which appears in this week's bulletin. It's a really engaging piece and has some very good advice, including the need really to be proactive at all times and suggest some really practical measures. Um, and as you say, it starts by really understanding and being aware of uh, the data that you are holding, where it's stored, how it is used who's got access, questioning, do they actually need it? And also, importantly, thinking about how the school's IT estate looks externally. Are ports open, uh, for example? How do we enable appropriate access and prevent unauthorised access? So it's it's um, a wide piece of work, which really you have to go down to basics to start that process. And um, although you can include uh, consideration of software assistance, of course, it, does, it doesn't have to be just confined to that. You, you can start with the appropriate training of your staff to be aware of risks and not to open that genuine but malicious email, for etc. Et so I do urge you to read the article and uh, start a conversation with your IT folks in the school. Um, it's a really worthwhile thing to do very much the uh the doctrine that it's going to be a when not if situation that yeah. you come under a, a cyber attack uh, you're absolutely right it's you know each week you're hearing of something that's happening and um as an old dinosaur i feel quite frightened sometimes it makes you skeptical about everything that comes into your inbox personally not just through work but it's um it it's getting more and more sophisticated so so you absolutely be alert to it yeah, yeah. vigilance is key in that mm. respect and then moving on to a bit of a different topic of employment law and there's a lot of updates about this with eu stuff trickling down but what are the kind of key takeaways from from this week 
there's a lot going to potentially be happening in the world of employment law over the next 12 months, it seems to me. And um, there's just way too much for me to go into any great depth here, unfortunately. But but do take some time to scan through this this week's bulletin. Um, just just looking at the headlines, really, there, we talk about um, the government's proposed withdrawal of all European Union law, which could happen this year potentially. Now that will impact the employee benefits and rights that stem at the moment from EU law, um, for example, working time regulations, that sort of thing. Additionally, TUPI, um, agency worker regs and part-time and fixed-term worker regs may also be impacted by that um, not just by that change, but by other laws that, that the government are looking at changing. So, so be aware of that. Schools, if they've got HR specialists in school or if it's the bursar that's responsible for this, just make sure you keep a, a careful eye out for updates from the government over the next few months um, uh, or use your usual legal and employment advisors to make certain you remain compliant. We will, of course, um, include any developments in future ISBA bulletins, webinars and podcasts of course and then there's also some updates regarding it's still on the topic of employment law fire and rehire after pno did their damage fire and rehire code of practice um as you say this comes courtesy of the pno ferries mass dismissal action of 2022 the government has issued a draft of their statutory code of practice on dismissal and re-engagement um, and schools need to be aware of this because it sets out an employer's responsibilities when seeking to change terms and conditions of employment and we talked about meaningful consultation a few weeks ago Leo I recall and, and the need for meaningful consultation sits at the heart of this code of practice and you know if you're going through a TPS consultation at present that talks of meaningful meaningful consultation too it, it sits at the heart of everything related to employee relations and employment. The government consultation closes on the 18th of April and there will be, of course, further guidance provided. And then moving from that on the topic of TPS, perhaps onto public sector strikes, there is an update in the bulletin. What is it? So the, the update really talks mainly about the minimum service level draft bill, which the government has proposed. And if you want to read that draft bill and its progress, there's a link in the bulletin. Um, it, it basically gives a resume of, of where we are at the moment, but it's a fast paced matter. And, and you may be aware that overnight there has been reports of a 3% pay award proposed by the Secretary of State for Education, Gillian Keegan, on the proviso that next week's strikes are called off by the NEU. The award, if accepted, could affect what your own staff are looking for from next year. So something to remain alert to over the next few days and weeks, particularly as you start forecasting and, and planning scenarios for the future years. Um, you know, it's, it's not insignificant amounts of money that could be affected by the award in the state sector. In addition to the areas we've just spoken about, there are other uh, employee-related subjects that are mentioned in the bulletin. Um, the holiday pay, the Harper Trust versus Brazil consultation uh, with the, by the government features. Flexible working rights, so family leave and pay, which includes the widening of redundancy protection for pregnant women to new parents who have recently returned to work from family leave. Neonatal care bill, the miscarriage leave bill and fertility treatment rights bill, all of which will provide paid leave 
for each type of leave, respectively, and also the Carers Leave Bill, which provides employees with entitlement to one week's unpaid leave per year and protection from dismissal or detriment when they are away from work, providing or arranging care for their dependents. Okay, great. So lots of updates to come to look after staff. And looking after staff, there's also some more information about protection from harassment in the workplace as well. Yeah, um, protection from harassment in the workplace um, with employees needing to take reasonable steps to prevent sexual harassment of their workers, including by third parties they may come across in the course of their work. There's there's a segment on that in in today's bulletin as well. So um, as they say, much, much more available and do have a read. Um, But depending on how all of these matters progress, it is likely that schools will need to prepare by reviewing and updating their existing staff policies, procedures and the staff handbook in due course as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think constant reviewing, constant updating is is sadly necessary. Yeah. And and, um, as you know, ISPA will be updating model policies and staff handbook as we do every year so keep a keep a watchful eye for those in due course but you do need to look at your own policies around all of these areas as they currently stand and be prepared for it as those changes might filter through marvelous well denise i'll let you jump off thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat and take us through all of these updates you're welcome and uh, i'll see you again and thank goodness no awkward question for me this week yeah, no, you're safe. You're safe. I've I've been too busy. But next week we'll come back with one. <laughs> okay. All right, Leo. You have a wonderful weekend when we get you there. You too. Take Bye. care. So there we are. Thank you very much, Denise, for taking us through all of that. Now, before we finish this episode, I'm just going to talk you through some of the upcoming professional development program webinars that are taking place. Tomorrow, on the 24th of February, there is one on allergy management. 28th of February, discrimination in the workplace. And beginning 3rd of March is the first of the series of webinars on employment law for new bursars. And following that, on the 7th of March, there is a new course that's going on, a set of four webinars that is aimed at new bursars, titled So You Want to Be a Bursar. And these are happening between the 7th and 9th of March 2023. So check the website for those. And that really does round off this episode. There will be a special series of podcasts coming out from the RSBA featuring all of the headline sponsors of the upcoming conference, along with some details of the conference, what to expect, speakers who will be there, and some words from previous attendees. So if that also is interesting, check out those. They'll be happening in between the regular scheduled bursacasts, and we look forward to hearing from all of the sponsors there. So we'll end this here, let you all get off to your understandably busy lives and do email podcast at the isba.org.uk if there's things you'd like to talk about with the podcast team. Otherwise, look after yourself, look after your teams, be good to each other and uh, until next time, farewell.